0: Let me invite your attention to Psalm 100, a clear command as we walk through this two-part series on thanks and giving. This morning we're focused on Psalm 100. Let me make a couple of statements to set the message up that you'll understand my heart and who I am a little bit more. I don't believe in luck, and I don't believe in coincidence. I believe we follow the leadership of a loving Heavenly Father. He's orchestrating our lives. He's giving us direction and guidance. But it's not luck in life. It's not coincidence in life. It's the work of God in your life and my life. Over the last number of days, over the weekend, I found myself practicing solitude. I pulled away from electronics for a season and just spent time focusing on the Lord. And one of the things I wanted to do is to make sure that I was expressing my thanksgiving to Him. And so I just with a clear mind said how does the holy spirit want to work in my life and what does he want to remind me of that i need to be thankful for and i even went back to a mission trip i was on in russia many years ago it was a tense moment with russian police it was a hilarious moment i could tell you the story but it was a tense moment and the lord protected us in that van that day And I remember when the police left us, we had not done really anything wrong. I was just driving in Russia without a Russian driver's license. So figure that out. But the Lord protected us. And I remember pulling over with our mission team and just saying, Brothers, we need to stop and thank the Lord for his protection. He was good to us. I thought back to our trip to Israel just a few months ago. A large group traveling to Israel, each individual participant had three COVID tests to take. And out of all the individuals who went to Israel taking three COVID tests each, not a single test came back positive. No one came down with COVID as a result of that trip. That didn't just happen. That was not lucky or coincidence. That was the protection of God for us as a group. God was good to us. And then I thought back to one day, 2021, I stood in his pulpit. We had a chest here in front and the challenge that day was let's come and bring an offering, a sacrificial offering, and let's eliminate the indebtedness of the church. And that Sunday morning in October of 2021, seeing hundreds of us walk down these aisles and come to this chest and put an offering in there as a sacrificial point of worship. And that we raised that Sunday morning about $1.4 million in cash. Church, that didn't just happen. That was the faithfulness and goodness of God and your generosity to make that happen. And I just said to him this weekend, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. When's the last time you paused in your life and you said these words, thank you, Lord? Maybe for you, you were inches away from a car accident, inches away, and, and the Lord protected you and you did not crash. And as you were shaking, you just said to him, thank you, Lord, for your protection. You. When's the last time you went to the mailbox? You didn't know what you were going to do. You've been praying for God to meet your needs. You knew the circumstance and the situation. You go to the mailbox. There's a letter in there. You open it up. And someone has sent you a financial gift. And it's the exact amount that you need to take care of your needs. And with tears flowing down your face, you just say to him, Thank you, Lord, for providing for us. When's the last time you received a phone call? And someone on the other end said the interview went well. We appreciate who you are and what you can bring to this position and we want you to know we want to hire you for this position we're going to take care of you we're going to take care of your family with a salary and benefits but we want you on our team and then you said i accept a position and then when you hung up the phone you just with rejoicing just said thank you lord for providing for me again when was the last time you've been walking in the morning or at evening and you look up into the sky and you see how God has painted the clouds and the sky and you see all of his creativity and you know that didn't just happen. This is the work, the handiwork of Almighty God, such a creative one. And you just said to him, God, thank you for eyes to see, but thank you for the creation that I get to see and be a part of. God, you did this and I just want to thank you for that. See, here's the challenge for us this time of the year. If we're not careful in life, we'll move past Thanksgiving and we'll move right into the Christmas season. Into the Christmas season of shopping and are we going to get the best deal and where can we get this and get that. And So we're focused on all the calendars of Christmas and so forth. And if you aren't careful and if I'm not careful, we miss Thanksgiving. But church, understand Thanksgiving for us who are believers is too important to pass over. That's why he said in Psalm 100, enter his gates with thanksgiving. And that's what we're seeking to do. 2005 was a great year for me because, one, I was on a mission trip in October, took some people with me to plant a church in in Canada. Beautiful place. But the good news in 2005, as we were there in October, we got to celebrate Canadian Thanksgiving. So in October of 2005, we had turkey dressing and all the trimmings in Canada. And then the good news is a month later we got to celebrate Thanksgiving again in the United States. Turkey dressing all the trimmings. Now I love Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving, a Thanksgiving meal. But Thanksgiving is so important. But here's a challenge inside the church, outside the church. Are you ready for the challenge? Here it is. Ingratitude is a problem in our day. Ingratitude to God, but also ingratitude to one another. May 18, 1980, Washington State, Mount St. Helens erupted. As you remember from the news, maybe you've read this in history books, the volcano was so powerful it took the lives of people and even animals. So much property was destroyed as a result of that volcano, but also the environment changed as a result of that eruption as well. And years later found ourselves standing at Mount St. Helens and we could still see the devastation from what happened years before. That volcano still had effects that we could literally see with our own eyes. Church, what would happen this weekend if there was an eruption of thanksgiving among the people of God? And we came before our Heavenly Father and said, God, we want to thank you today for being good God, we want to thank you for loving us, and God, we thank you for your faithfulness. What if we came to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ and just said, I want to thank God for you, for your compassion. I want to thank God for your kindness, and I want to thank God for your encouragement in my life. What would that look like for us? I believe it would change us. If there was this eruption of thanksgiving among the people of God. And Psalm 100 is asking us to enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, and ultimately to have an eruption of thanksgiving among the people of God, to God, but also to one another in the Christian life. It would change everything in our relationships and our lives. Well, let me walk with you through this passage in Psalm 100. I want to give you some insights to this. Number one, as you look, Thanksgiving is about worshiping God. Thanksgiving is about worshiping God. I know this, a thankful person is a worshiping person. I want to give you some insights about worship here for a moment. A few quick statements, not only outline, but here's what we know this morning. When Thanksgiving is about worshiping God, here's what we know about worship. First, God is worthy to be worshipped. Our God is loving, our God is holy, our God is kind, our God is compassionate. He is worthy to be worshipped by you and me. We also know this, that, that worship is happening in heaven right now. Around the throne of God, and I listened to this song this morning as I prepared my heart for worship. Right now around the throne, they're singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. And so I just listened to that song this morning said, God, I want to make sure in my heart, but also in my mind that I have fixated on the holiness of God in life because it's happening in heaven. And then we know this, a healthy church is a worshiping church. One of the indicators that we are a healthy church is that we are a worshiping church. We love and adore almighty God in life individually but also corporately together as a church so a thanks a thankful person is going to be a worshiping person now when you come to psalm 100 we see what the psalmist is saying he's going to give us some words about worship that should define us as we worship the holiness of god so look at the first word the first word is shout now let me just say as Baptists, this word makes us a little bit uncomfortable Just like Psalm 150, the word dance is used there, makes us a little uncomfortable. But in Psalm 100, he says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. If you read the New American Standard Version, it translates that to shout to the Lord, all the earth. So shout. What in the world does that mean? We know that's not the only time the word is used in the Bible. For example, in in Joshua chapter 6, the command is given for the people of Israel to walk around the walls of Jericho and as they're to do it on the seventh day, seven times. And when they finish that, what are they to do? They are to shout to the Lord. And they did that. And then we come to Psalm 100. He says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, or shout to the Lord, all the earth. What does that mean for us? I grew up in a, in a small, rural Southern Baptist church in Kentucky. It, it was not very big, but if I walked in the back door and I was looking this way, the pulpit would have been up there. We had a section on the left and there was an aisle. Then we had a center section. Then we had another aisle and then there was a section over on the right. And so when when you walked in, pretty much it's like here, everyone has their assigned seats just about. You sit in the same place. We sit in the same place every Sunday when we went to church. So we always, when you walked in, looking at the pulpit, we sit on the left side over by the wall. So I still remember as a young boy sitting over there one Sunday morning, and there was a family that would sit on the far right, the Huddleston family. And so they were sitting over there. The pastor was preaching a message. And then all of a sudden, Miss Huddleston, started shouting not prompted she just started shouting now, let me say as a young boy scared the daylights out of me when she did that i thought what in the world we we had no safety team scared none of that was going on at the time he's preaching his heart out and she starts shouting over there. And I thought, what in the world is going on? I mean, it scared the time out of me. And for a long time, I did not understand that. But here's what I know today. Miss Huddleston, on that Sunday morning, over to my right, she got happy in Jesus. And she started shouting. Now, in our day, we, we may say amen. We may clap to the Lord. But somewhere, we've got to make a joyful noise to the Lord. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. In Acts chapter 26, Paul is standing before King Agrippa. And in the King James Version, you can go back and read this. Here's literally the translation. Standing before King Agrippa, Paul says this, I think myself happy. Folks, when we come together as a people of God, we need to think ourselves happy. We need to be happy that we get to shout and praise Almighty God for His glory. We need to be happy about that. If there's any place in town that should be happy, it's the fellowship of God's people on a Sunday morning. As Paul would think himself happy, church, we need to get happy as well. And so if you say amen, if you clap your hands, or you let us shout to the Lord, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Let's get happy in Jesus. Paul did. Let's do that. So if we're going to be worshiping people, one is shout. Second word is serve. He says in Psalm 100, serve the Lord with gladness. As you think about serving the Lord, when you think about worshiping, how do you know if you've worshiped or not? One of the great indicators that you've worshiped Almighty God is obedience. And so when you look at your life, you say, well, I've been saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has redeemed me. I've been born again. I'm forgiven. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me. But also, he has left me here on this earth. He's given me spiritual gifts. Now imagine this, church. Why did he save you? Why did he give you the Holy Spirit? Why did he gift you? And why did he leave you here on earth? He did that so that you would serve him. And so the psalmist says here, serve the Lord with gladness. So let me ask you this morning, as kids, students, adults, who know the Lord Jesus Christ, how are you serving Jesus? And let me give you another challenge as well. If you look at your service and your service is burdensome to you, you look at your service and there's no joy in your life, I encourage you somewhere, get along with God and say, God, do something in my heart again so that serving you is joyful, serving you is a glad heart again in my life. Because if it's a burden for you to serve and there's no joy in your life in serving, something has shifted in your heart and you need Jesus to revive your heart and your soul again. Serve the Lord with gladness. And so he says here, if you're going to be a worshiping church, you're going to be a worshiping individual, you shout to the Lord, but you serve the Lord. You serve him with gladness. Number three is sing. Now, now sometimes in worship, silence is a good thing. We are just silent and still before God and saying, God, I don't even want to open my mouth. I want to hear what you're saying to us, to me, because we need your direction. We are still and silent before you. But the psalmist says this. He says, come into his presence with singing. The people of God should be singing individuals. And so when you think about your life, you're spending time on Monday morning with the Lord and you're alone with him. I hope you spend time with him singing. You say, well, I'm not a good singer. It doesn't make any difference. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. So be someone who sings. When we come together in corporate worship like today, we should be singing individuals. What a joy this morning to sing. Thank you for the blood, Lord Jesus. What a joy this morning to sing to our heavenly father. You are a good, good father to him. Not just singing about him, singing to him. And so when we come together, we should be singing people because when we worship, we shout, we serve, and we sing according to Psalm 100. And here's what I know in my life. I've got to preach every opportunity I can. You know why? Because when I get to heaven, my assignment is going to be over, and I'm going to need to join the choir when I get to heaven because I'm not going to be preaching in heaven. We're going to be singing in heaven. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Come into his presence with thanksgiving, with singing. Are you singing? See, when we come together, we shouldn't stand here on Sunday morning with arms crossed and say, I refuse to sing that song. We should come here with arms lifted up and hands opened up and with hearts opened up and say, Oh, God, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Oh God, thank you for being a good, good father to me because God, you have blessed me in ways I can't even comprehend. Thank you for your goodness in my life. And so church, if we're going to be thankful, we need to be a worshiping church, worshiping individuals, shout to him, serve him, and sing to him. That's the teaching of Psalm 100. Number two, thanksgiving is about knowing God. I prayed this weekend. I said, Lord, on Sunday, will you just let me be calm as I preach? And the Lord's just not going to let me do that. Uh, I want to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And so I may get fired up a little bit more here in just in a few minutes because there's some teaching coming out of Psalm 100 that we don't need to miss on this Thanksgiving weekend. Thanksgiving is about knowing God. Now, and as the Lord reveals himself, that's the heart of worship. Worship is about God revealing himself and then we respond to him. But at the heart of that, here's what's happening. God reveals himself to us so that we will know him. Not just about him, that we will know him. That we will know him in an intimate way, a life-changing way. But we would know him as, as individuals who are in Christ. Now, the psalmist is going to give us insight to that. That's the joy of preaching the word of God because you just preach what the text says. Look at number one. What do we need to know? One is, he calls us. He says this know that the Lord, he is God. We need to know that the Lord is God. Church, church you know this that college football and college basketball, those are not gods. You, you know this that Hollywood celebrities and sports stars, they are not gods. You and I know this morning, you and I aren't God either. We serve a true and living God. He is the Lord God Almighty. He is God. And here's what he's doing. He's calling you and me. And the holiness of God and the righteousness of God and how personal God is with you and me. He is calling you and me to what? He's calling us to be saved. And so I I challenge you in the room or watching online, if you are here under the sound of my voice again, you have never turned from your sin, put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can be saved this very day. The blood of Jesus Christ, his victory over death in the grave, Jesus Christ is alive. The grace of God is ready to change your life. You can give your heart and life to Jesus Christ even while I'm preaching. You call on the name of Jesus and he will save you and change you. He's calling us to discipleship, not to remain infants in the Christian life. He's calling us to grow up in him. So he's calling us to be followers and learners of Jesus. Are you a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? He's calling us to a church family. We're not to live in isolation. We're not to live alone in the Christian life. You and I need brothers and sisters in Christ. Wednesday night in our Thanksgiving service, we heard testimony after testimony of the value of the body of Christ. You need the people of God in your life. And so I just invite you on this Sunday morning, you're here, you know this is the church for you. You've been saved, born again. You need to be baptized or you've already been baptized. Join the fellowship of this church. Walk down one of these aisles. Here in the next 15 minutes or so and say, God, put me in the fellowship of this church because I want to serve with your people at First Baptist Church, Clarksville. But also understand this, he's calling us to forgiveness. As we have been forgiven in Christ, we should forgive other people. And so when you look at your life, you have been forgiven. Who do you need to forgive in your life? This is a great week to think about family members and friends, all of those who've hurt us, wounded us, and have hurt us in many ways in life. Do we extend forgiveness to those individuals? Jesus, you have forgiven me. I need to forgive that person in life. He calls us to do that. He says in his patches, know that the Lord, he is God. He is the true and living God. So one, he calls us. Number two, he created us. As you look at his text, he says, it is he who made us and we are his. Now, now I want you to understand this this morning. When you're in this room or you're watching, you are not an accident. You are not a mistake. You are the wonderful creation of God in life. He created you. Look at what Psalm 139 says. I love this passage. Psalm 139 verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Every single one of us this morning should say thank you Lord God for giving me life and creating me. And for making me fearfully and wonderfully made. You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. You're you're not. Listen. God loves you and he created you. So we need to thank God that he calls us, but also thank God that he created us. Number three, he converted us. That's what he says in his passage. We are his people, the sheep of his pastor. How do you become a sheep and the pastor of the Lord? You do that because he saves us. We're born again in him. You're not saved by good works. You're not saved by religious deeds. You're not saved by church affiliation. You are saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. You're saved again because he left heaven, born in Bethlehem, lived a perfect sinless life, died a sacrificial death, buried in a tomb, gloriously raised on the third day, alive today. One day is coming again and he calls us to turn from our sin, put our trust in him and to call on the name of Jesus and we will be saved. You are converted because of Jesus. And so when you look at this, we have thankful people. He called us to know Him. Lord, you've called me. God, you've created me. And God, you have converted me in Christ. That's the heart of thanksgiving. Number three, thanksgiving is about thanking God. As you look at this text in Psalm 100, what well, the psalmist, he goes and he says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. We're not to enter his gates with complaints. We're not to enter his gates with murmuring. We're not to enter his gates with criticism. We're to enter his gates with thanksgiving. And then he says what? And his courts with praise. And then he says this, give thanks to him. How have you thanked him this morning? He says, bless his name. How have you blessed the name of God this morning? And then he says, here's why. You're going to give thanks to him. You're going to bless his name and you're going to praise him. How are you doing that in the Christian life? Then we come up and we say, well, what do we have to give thanks for? And the psalmist gives us insight to that. I want to give you these. Number one, the Lord's goodness. The psalmist says, for the Lord is good. How do I know this morning the Lord is good? How do you know this morning the Lord is good? When you woke up this morning, the Lord is good. When you woke up this morning and you had a roof over your head, the Lord is good. You woke up this morning and you had something to eat, the Lord is good. You woke up this morning and you had clothes to wear, the Lord is good. You woke up this morning and you had transportation to come to worship this morning, the Lord is good. You have the ability to earn an income in your life. The Lord is good. Your sins are forgiven. You know Christ. You'll never be lost again. You know that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. And one day you're going to see the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is good. You have a church family who loves you, who is there in your time of need, bear one another's burdens. And you have a church that's serious about worshiping God and loving people and sharing Jesus and making disciples. The Lord is good. He is good to you and me. We have a good, good father. Number two, the Lord's love. The Psalmist goes on to say his steadfast love endures forever. Church this morning, I hope we understand how much God loves you and me. John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. There is nothing that can ever separate you and me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Here's what you're never going to hear the Lord say. I'll love you if. When you and I think about the love of God, his love is unconditional. When you and I think about the love of God, his love is unending. It doesn't make any difference how many sins you've committed in your life. It doesn't make any difference how how many times you've blown it in life. I want you to please understand this. You have a heavenly father who loves you. He loves you so much that he gave his only son for you. He loves you so much that he wants to change your life. He loves you so much that he wants you to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus. He loves you. And so when we come to Thanksgiving, God, says, thank you. God, thank you for being good to me. And God, thank you for loving me because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Number three, the Lord's faithfulness. We, we thank him for his faithfulness. What does he say? And his faithfulness to all generations. He's faithful. A hymn that we sing often, great is our faithfulness. that hymn's based upon the word of God, Lamentations 3, The word is, God, your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness to me. I want to say this morning to you as an individual, he's faithful to you. As a married couple, he's faithful to you. As a family, he's faithful to you. As a church, he's faithful to us. Even to a nation that is experiencing chaos, he's faithful to you and me. He is a faithful heavenly father here's the big question though are we communicating his faithfulness to generations who are coming behind us here's what i know when i when i look at god's word i look at leaders and specifically even in the old testament you see two leaders moses and joshua and so interesting about moses moses again had a very interesting relationship with god burning bush experience, standing on holy ground. And God called him to lead his people out of slavery into the promised land because God was faithful. And Moses was such a wise leader. Who did he prepare to take his place? He prepared Joshua to take his place. The Bible's very clear. Moses died, then Joshua led the people. That's a wise way to lead, by the way, too. Find somebody who come behind you because one day... You're going to die or not going to be in that position. Who's going to take your place? But then look at Joshua. Interesting enough, Joshua had learned under Moses. And so who did Joshua prepare to take his place? When you look in Judges, Judges chapter 2, the Bible, the heading there is the death of Joshua. And it says this, and then after Joshua died, there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. No one took his place as the spiritual leader. Moses prepared Joshua. Joshua didn't prepare someone else as a result of that. Then there was this generation who came after them who didn't know the Lord, didn't even know what the Lord had done for the people of Israel. Are we passing the faith on to the generations who are coming behind us? When I think about our preschool kids and student ministries, it's not just all fun and games. Yeah, we have fun. We play games. But somewhere we've got to be passing on that this is the goodness of God. This is the love of God. This is the faithfulness of God to generations who are coming behind us. They need to know the Lord and they need to know the work of God in our lives, in this church, and generation before us. Teach the word of God. Are we doing that in the Christian life? Are we sharing that with other people? If we're not careful, we're going to repeat Judges chapter 2. Here's a generation came. They don't know the Lord. They don't even know what the Lord has done. So over this Thanksgiving season, I pray when you sit down to a table and you get ready to have a meal, you're able to say, we're able to have this meal because of the goodness of God. We're able to have this meal because God loves us. We're able to have this meal in fellowship. Why? Because of the faithfulness of God. Why? Because he is faithful. It is a clear command that we are to be people of thanksgiving. Not rush to Christmas. We're going to get there. But this day, this week, to say, Oh, God, I want to enter your gates and your presence with thanksgiving and praise to you. Because you are good, you love us, and you're faithful. So this morning, let's bow our heads together for a moment. And we're going to sing here in just a moment. But right now, just where you are, I want to give you an opportunity. This altar is open this morning. I don't know when the last time you've been on your face before the Lord and to visit as a couple, as a family, and just to say, God, we want to thank you. God, thank you for salvation. Thank you for our family. Thank you for meeting our needs. God, thank you when the bottom of life dropped out, you were faithful to us. God, thank you that we didn't even know what we were going to do, how our needs were going to be met. And God, you provided for us. And we want to say thank you for that. I encourage you, individuals, couples, families, you can come to this altar right now and just stand here or get on your knees and just say, God, we want to thank you. You can come before him and thank him for the way he's blessed his church. I mean, God's been faithful to this church. God's been good to this church. God loves this church and you can come and give thanks to him for that as well. Again, feel free, even right now while I'm I'm finishing up the invitation, you can come just get on your knees, stand before the Lord here and just say, God, I just want to thank you for your faithfulness. I don't want to miss it. And then, while you're praying, you can just turn to your loved ones and just say, I just want to thank God for you. I just thank God that he put you in my life and That he's blessed us with kids and he's blessed us with a place to live and clothes to wear and food to eat, cars to drive. He's been so good to us. And I just want to thank God for that today. You can come and do that. Wherever you're watching at around the world, you can get on your knees, your face before him. You can be still before him. You can stand before him. You can do the same thing just to say, oh, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because it's a clear command. You're here today and you need to. You need to give your heart and life to Jesus. We encourage you to be saved today. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day of God's favor. You can be saved today. You need to be baptized like we witnessed this morning. We encourage you to come forward. Our pastoral staff is going to be here. We'd love to pray with you and from God's word help you know that you know Christ but also how to obey him in believers' baptism. And then as I asked you a few minutes ago, this is a wonderful church. Thank God for this church. You're saved. You you need to be baptized or you have been baptized. You want to join the fellowship of this church today? Let this be the day. Lord, today, on this Thanksgiving weekend, yes to you. God's calling in the ministry. You're just overwhelmed by the love of God in your life? Come this morning. Let us celebrate with you. The altar's full of people this morning. Thanking Him, making decisions. And you can do the same thing as well. So, Father, we love you. Thank you for the people who are praying at the altar or those who are praying in pews or those who are praying at computer screens or televisions. Oh, God, thank you that you have been so good to us. You love us beyond our comprehension. Your faithfulness never ends. And, God, thank you for letting us trust Jesus today. And, Father, whatever decisions are made privately or publicly today, The glory goes to you because of your faithfulness and your goodness. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Tis so sweet to trust in you. Jesus, we love you. We adore you. We thank you. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.